0: Exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories. Their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness. Everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host Lita Green and my guest today, Crystal Chadwick and She and I have been Facebook friends for quite some time now, but I feel like we haven't
1: met in person. Am
0: I incorrect in that?
1: So we did once a long time ago, but you probably don't remember me because we became Facebook friends after that. Um, So I met you just like once or twice back, probably six or seven years ago. We were both personal training with um, Summer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you come after me. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I, it's so fun to
0: like do these and find how we end up being connected. And I look at like the younger generation and I'm like, how cool that they could like be connected with the friends from school and the people they randomly meet. And, um, you know, somebody was like, um, it's very rare For someone to be my Facebook friend, they might be because we have like a common entrepreneurial thing Mm -hmm. if we haven't met in person, but we are connected. Either we've either met or we like they have to have passed a how do I why am I connected to you? You know,
1: I I think I it's been several years, but I feel like I got kind of that vibe and maybe you had asked me even like how do I know you or something like that. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. It's been a long time, but my assistant, um, I think I'd been on Facebook for,
0: I don't know, maybe four or five years. And when I first, I was like, why are people friending me that I just met at a networking thing? That's so weird. Cause my perception was, cause I'm not quite a boomer. Um, I guess I'm generation X or something. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was like, this should be just people who like know me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, and that's how a lot of people are. In fact, like my boyfriend, he's um a little bit older, but he's still young enough, you know. But he just has like thirty friends on Facebook, and like yeah, and that's fine. But then people, I was like,
0: okay, so I didn't want it to be, you know, like you know, the Prince of Bahrain or whatever, you know, in theory. So (laughs) I just started making sure that everybody that I was Facebook friends was actually connected to me somehow. And so people, there's no way somebody got a five thousand Facebook friends, and I'm like, I literally have run out of space and I'm turning away people.
1: Well, you're really you know? funny and stuff though, too. I remember that. That's why I ended up wanting to connect with you. Cause you would come in after my workouts and sometimes you'd be earlier. Mine was running a little late or something. And you were uh-huh. just like the funniest lady I'd ever met. And I just thought you were so well. Funny.
0: Thank you, Crystal. I do think I'm a delight. And that's the reason I can <laughs> handle having a podcast and why people should hire me as a speaker and read my books. Right. So I guess you have to have a little bit of ego to do that, but <laughs> I have to, change my, my Facebook over to the the public person thing. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, that's, it seems like such a a milestone of,
1: Oh, But I think that you do need some like boundaries with it too. Like, you're like, how do you know you, how do you know me and stuff like that a little bit? Because I several years ago, probably around when we met, I was just, you know, friending everybody. And then Mm -hmm. I realized there's so much junk on my feed and stuff that I didn't like, and I didn't resonate with. And I just, think it can be like an energy drain too. Yeah. Um, kind of like an energy. That's thing. a really, that's a really good point. Cause
0: um, when people, they don't like Facebook, I'm like, well, I think you're doing it wrong then. Sorry, I thought you know, my, Because I'm not, I, answer. I just like the things that I want to engage with. Right. But the people, because I actually know who these people are. Um, if I feel like we're going to have a, a conversation, you know, like that might be Not agreeing totally with somebody, we can do it in a respectful way because we actually know each other.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Actually, in the last like six months, year, I've gotten rid of a ton of friends on Facebook and even Instagram people I was following just because I realized like, and I was almost a little bit, tiny bit embarrassed for myself. And just because like, oh my gosh, like I just spread myself way out there to too many people. And like, I just think like it's good to be open and stuff like that. But sometimes they think we're a little bit too open. And I think it's good to have some like, Right. Well, anyone can follow
0: me, but, um, you know, the people whose stuff I'm seeing yeah. are people that I'm connected to and I, I really enjoy social media, but I'm also putting goodness out there.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of people who just post just stuff that you don't want to read. And the next thing you know, it's just filtrating your mind and it affects your day. And so that's really, there's so many people I thought, why did I ever follow these people? Which is a
0: great segue into our topic today, because I think the thing that everybody wants the most and everybody needs is, you know, in the hierarchy of needs, you know, we need food, shelter, and significance. Mm-hmm. You know, we need relationships, we need connection, we need to be valued. I mean, like literally babies die without it. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've got this mental health crisis in our world and everyone's like, Oh, it's because people aren't affirming people. No, it's because they don't have connections. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the statistics, it's actually men, young men that are the highest
1: um, of those that are dying by, by suicide, you know? And they say like addiction and all kinds of. Yeah majority of problems are lack of connection. Right. And the ultimate form of connection is love. I know. (laughs) And I think I'm actually a good person. I I debated if this should be the topic or not, but I, I feel like it is because, um, I I think I'm a good person to talk on it because I've, I've experienced all kinds of arrays of, um, of things in life and traumas and my journey of, navigating connection and, and love dynamics and just all different types of relationships. So I think it's a really, really important topic. I'm
0: super excited about that. And I love how you open that up because I think, you know, we're, we were sold, you know, the, the Cinderella version of love, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: you know, you weren't loved, but then all of a sudden you found a guy who liked you for what you looked like and um, you had pretty shoes and of course everything works out just perfectly after that. You know, um Cinderella put have had no problems receiving compliments or praise
2: after <laughs> her childhood,
0: you know. She she would have totally known how to be fully in a relationship as an equal and yet have after
1: all of her childhood trauma.
0: Yeah, you know, there would have been no therapy or anything that would be needed, you know, for, for and the
1: movie like right then, you know, and it's like that's the finale. And in fact, like just getting into the relationship and finding your person or the person at the time or whoever they are like, that's just the beginning of the journey.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I refer to my husband's eyes early years as when we were single, <laughs> like it was like a Freudian slip that we existed, but we didn't have kids yet, you know, cause that was just chapter one of us learning our dynamic. And then we put kids in there and that altered the dynamic. And in our case, because we kept doing the work, it's only enhanced things mm-hmm. but if you ha- if you have uh, cracks in your relationship <laughs> kids don't solve all your problems but that is the purpose mm-hmm. of life in my opinion
1: yeah and a lot of people i think aren't willing to do the work especially more and more these days with online dating and even like we were talking social media you know there's just so many easy places to go and I'm not saying stay in relationships you shouldn't be in and I think there's a Absolutely. fine line between yep. like when do I work on this more and when do I need to remove myself and not be here type of a thing and there's mm-hmm. that whole dynamic but I think most people these days aren't willing to put on the work to relationships because relationships are like a big mirror to you and they like shine oh well said. all the things that you don't want to deal with
0: right and you know we're we're now I'm seeing, you know, cause I'm an old lady as we've established, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm turning 50 and I think i mentioned that in every other podcast, but I'm super excited about it. <laughs> um, halfway, the halfway mark of life, right. For me. And, um, to look at relationships now that it's about validation instead of what my faith tradition taught me that having a thriving marriage was how you serve the other. And mm-hmm. as long as they're doing their part of also service, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah,
1: it's Almost like it seems like a lot of relationships are either like everybody's looking out for themselves and not the other one, or you have one person who's really looking out for the other one and the other one just isn't doing their part and they don't care. And then you have a really unhealthy dynamic there too. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people, like there's the, there's this, you know, idea of sovereignty and especially as women, like our women empowerment and all this stuff, which I think is so important and a huge important piece to our, our journeys as individuals, as women as a whole, but I think we can get stuck there and be like just sovereignty. I'm an independent woman. I don't need a man. I can take care of myself and versus like, we still have that deep desire and need to be in connection with, with other people. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a romantic relationship, but like, we just need to find healthy ones where they meet us halfway and they do their right. part and we do ours. And like, you become a team, you know? Absolutely. But, you know, women, like if you look at the Bible,
0: um, you know, it talks about the ideal woman and, you know, she, they describe a business woman, a hmm. woman who could manage things in the marketplace, manage things in the home. I mean, it is like a businesswoman.
1: It's interesting because I think there's a lot of misconception these days with like what feminine energy is, what like being a female is, and it gets really confusing. And I just think it's crazy. And that's why I'm like ready to start talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. because significant inner work on it. And it's either like, I'm the career alpha woman who doesn't need a man and I can take care of everything or like you get to become like the submissive woman who's like the doormat because I'm here to serve my husband or my man or whatever. And it's not either. Like, I think you can be both. I will, I will (laughs) freely admit
0: that I am a hundred percent both.
1: Yeah, me too. And I I
0: am completely capable of going out there and killing it. And I often say that the world needs more moms who could conquer the world and their kids know it, but they choose to put their first focus on their children.
1: Yeah. And you know what, actually the last few years, I've taken a big step back from my business and my career to be more of a mom. Cause I didn't have that opportunity when my daughter was younger and, um, and she- I, and I've done,
0: you know, making a quarter of a million and been a focused mom. Yeah. I don't and think we have <laughs> to, like- and I'm in a phase where I'm not killing it as much financially, but I'm doing just fine because I don't feel like what, what's the point of that? You know, it's kind of like, certain amount of it I think was you know a little bit of my early ego, you know, Mm -hmm. to see if the trucker's daughter could make it kind of thing. Yeah, you have to Uh, yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I had to kind of prove it, you know. But um, you know, I cook dinner Mm -hmm. and I make the bed in the morning. And, you know, I my workout the other day was cleaning the house. Um, you know, I have made things that will happen too once in a while, you know, but I am completely, but my husband when I walked in the door this morning from running the kids to the you know the dental office he was tidying up the kitchen
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know? I think like women and men we both have masculine and feminine energy you know and i think there's nothing wrong with women embracing both and men embracing both and yeah. you know if you want to have they talk about like if you want polarity in your relationship like the man needs to be in his masculine and the woman needs to be in her feminine and i agree to a degree but we still both have both and there's nothing wrong with embracing both. And I agree. Like there's nothing wrong with being a mom. Um, in fact, a lot of, not all stay at home moms, some stay at home moms I've known don't do their part, but same with working moms. But, yeah. you know, um. It's funny, me and my boyfriend, we both talk about like our moms growing up and they were both stay at home moms had the traditional role. My mom went to college and became a nurse later, but They weren't sitting around doing nothing, you know, they right right. house and not just the house, but it was serious. They took their job serious, you know, and they really pulled their weight and contributed to the family. So I think as long as, you know, you're doing what fulfills you, I, that's, um, I totally agree. I mean, I went from being a stay
0: at home mom. I put my husband through school and I didn't give up my business, but I was only making like 25 grand a year, you know? And then uh, because of my husband's heart, I was like, oh, he died briefly in a heart attack. Maybe I should prepare better for that. And I revved up my business and I I tripled my business in one year. And everybody's like, whoa, who is your business coach? Well, that would be God. Um, I didn't have a coach. I just applied the work ethic Mm -hmm. that I did as a stay at home mom you know, as a homemaker, I just
1: applied that work ethic to my business. It was quite simple. Right. I, I know. I just, I think it's like, I think people have gone too far down some different rabbit holes and really overcomplicated things. Yeah. You know, me and um, my partner now, we have a lot of conversations about this and um I just feel like it's so funny because a lot of people, like when they're looking for a partner or when they're in a relationship, like A lot of people go into relationships or, or even maybe subconsciously already in one where it's like, um, what is the word I'm trying to say? Not negotiation, but it's like, and it's like an arrangement where, Mm -hmm. um, what am I trying to say? Like transactional, it's like Uh transactional where like, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, or what can I get from this? And I think it's like, why do you not want to show up as a partner to your, and it has to be fair. Yeah, or life has never been fair. Yeah, (laughs) I I heard something the other day. It was like, this isn't equal, but it can be fair. And I thought, well, that's a good way to put it because nothing is equal, but how can it be fair where you both feel like you're getting your needs met and pulling weight
0: in the- But it's not gonna be a 50-50. It's gonna be 110 and 110. Mm -hmm. But you know, when the days that are bad for one of you, the other one covers up for that for you.
1: Yeah. It's they, funny. They, they, they're like, there. Yeah. I think a lot of people have forgotten like about the partnership and relationships. It's like, how much money does the guy make? Or how does that girl look for me as my arm candy or whatever the weird things everybody goes for yeah. superficially dating now, you know, and, um, and it's funny. Cause I grew up with a lot of boys. I have a lot of brothers. And so, you know, I went through my own weird dating experiences and stuff, but at the end of the day, like, I think like, what kind of a person would I want my brothers to date or, or to mm-hmm. marry? And, um, right. you know, or how do I treat my brothers? And you treat them as like a partner, you do your share and they do their share because they're your friend, you know, or you care about them. And so why would your person, you're in a r- romantic relationship be any different? <laughs> that's,
0: that. that's actually really strikes me as really profound.
1: Yeah, I heard that in the last year or two. And I just thought, Yeah. Isn't that so funny? Everybody's like, well, I want to make sure he pays for all these dates and they got to be this nice and that nice. And I think there's nothing wrong with a lot of gender roles in certain ways, but I think there's nothing wrong with women pulling their own weight too. like, and the men can be like my, my guy cooks all the time. Like he cooks dinner. I help sometimes, but he does most of the time but mm-hmm. I do things in other ways. And we just partner. Like if he's sick, he was really sick last week. So I made dinner for the week, you know, and we just helped. And each you weren't start. like, you owe me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're sick. What can I do to help? You know, and I, he's the same for me. And so, and I do
0: most of the domestic things in my relationship, but when I was, you know, on the road, you know, speaking, uh, so much, it was, ne- I never had to have a conversation with my husband about how dinner was happening you know, he'll do it. I'm just better at it. And so I take ownership of it and I care more about how it's done. Like to me, I joke that my love language is having a dirty dish put in the dishwasher. Like there's no reason for it to hang out in the sink, you know? And most people don't have that level of really, I can't like just put my cup in the sink. I'm like, just put it in the dishwasher. Just like we're blessed enough to have a dishwasher do it. So obviously so I have a little joke is if you're aware of the problem, you're the one that solve, can solve the problem. And that's called ownership of the problem. That's so nice. instead of me being like, why did these people not put the dish in the dishwasher? I was like, Hey guys,
1: it would be awesome. Still love you as I'm doing it. <laughs> know. You know, it's funny because a lot of like my past relationships, it was like, I either like weigh usually I, I weigh over, pulled my weight and, um, So like you were saying, like, you don't have to ask your guy to do certain things. Like that's been a different thing for me, for mine to just like, want to help out with things more and stuff like that. But I think there's a funny thing with women where we are, um, naturally like the caretakers and the nurturers and stuff like that. So sometimes it's funny Feminine energy. Yeah. And we're, so that's part of the feminine energy is being a nurturer. Right. But it's funny because also part of the feminine energy is like being able to receive. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a big piece that I've had to work and I was always a giver, but I had a hard time being a receiver. And that's also very feminine too, being able to like, accept someone doing things for you also. And, um, I think a lot of times we've like, just, I was very similar in the workforce, like you where I had to just go improve myself and show what I can do. And, um, I just think that like, we are supposed to put on the show, like we can do everything and we can, there's nothing wrong with being able to do everything, but you don't have to do everything. And if you are in a relationship, you shouldn't have to. Yeah. I mean, when people are like, Lydia,
0: you're such a boss, people can do on your own. I'm like, uh, I'm married. (laughs) It's not like we're financially, you know, if I were a single mom doing what I did, yes. Be very impressed. But you know, it's interesting because how we define history, if you look at history, they'll, they'll act like every woman in history. Was an aristocratic wife. And that was very gender specific. You could not variate from what your role was an aristocrat. But if you were the milkman's wife, there was a lot of you doing the milking, he helping with kids. There was a lot of moving around because that was the reality of life. Right. And so most of our ancestors would have lived in an ideal relationship where there was a lot of give and take Mm -hmm. in the relationships, but we act like we were all the product of Kings and we were not right. You know, and they had very gender specific roles, but you know, a woman's husband died. Nobody was like, Oh my crap, you can't work.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think, so that's the interesting thing is I just think there's, I'm, I'm all about like, um, balance as much as possible. Some people say balance doesn't exist, but, you know, to each their own, I think it can look different for different people in different situations, but, um, balance, but to have balance, if you're thinking about like, a, you know, a,
0: a balance board, you're always working on it.
1: Yeah. It can change and shift depending on what's happening. You know, that, that takes serious abs. Yeah. Yeah, Back to our roots. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all about like women, if you want to have kids, you know, focus on your kids, if you need or want to for a while or, or say your husband's rich and you don't need to work whatever. But, um, again, to each their own, whatever situation works for you. But I feel so, so strongly though, that women should have skill set, and you should be able to make money. If you're not, I think women should have a part-time income of something or other. That's just my, I know. I, I completely agree.
0: Um, but you better in my know my faith tradition, in my faith tradition is highly encouraged women to have a college degree.
1: Yeah. And if you, like you mentioned husbands dying, that happens often. It happened to what you happened to, to me. I mean, he came but, back, he came
0: back to life, but it happened to me. And, um, I don't have a college degree. My parents didn't pay their taxes. So I wasn't able to even borrow money to go to school, let alone get the pill grant. I would have been able to get, or would now they call it FAFSA. Right but, um, I
1: do have skills and I had to get some hustle. Yeah. You can still make a living. Even if you can't make it rich. I saw this clip from judge Judy. I saw it in the last year, but I don't know when she recorded it. Um, it was like in an interview, but I was like, Oh my gosh, this sums it up exactly how I feel. And she just says, you know, every woman, on. doesn't need to go out and learn how to make a million dollars or anything like that, but you better be able to make a living and you better teach your daughters and your granddaughters. And everybody needs a skill that they can make a living with because otherwise women get stuck in really bad relationships. And mm-hmm. so there's a, or, or you can't and be able to follow them. a budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's part easier. of making
0: a living is living within the means that is available to you. Mm-hmm. But I know women who've left husbands for um, wealthier men or perceived to be wealthier men that were making a hundred thousand a year. Mm. And it's like, we live in Utah, a hundred thousand dollars a year in Utah is a good living in New York city, eh, you know, mm-hmm. but hundred thousand dollars a year is a, is a, an
1: adequate living, mm-hmm. but she just wanted more. Well, yeah. And so that's where I just think, yeah, that's what I was kind of talking about. It's unfortunate. A lot of these like transactional relationships, what can I get out of it? And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a man who is responsible and can didn't flirt with stupid men.
0: I fully admit it. I, I flirted with the nerds. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, Hey, you're a man. You can like, have a career and pay for some things and like be able to like take care of yourself. And if you have a family 500 years ago, I would have flirted with the best hunter. (laughs) Exactly. It's just a natural instinct, but you know, I think sometimes like, Sometimes I think people go after the superficial things and they're not in relationships for the right reasons. And usually there's something going on within yourself that you're not getting your needs met. You don't feel like you can take care of yourself at the end of the day. And I find a lot of those women who are in those relationships where they're with a the guy for his money or his success. Um, there's usually a lot of trauma and there's a lot of manipulation that goes on with that too. A lot of people who are in those relationships, relationships end up cheating there's all kinds of funny, weird things going on all the time. They hide things, live separate, secret lives a lot. And um, it's just really sad. You know, they're actually not ultimately fulfilled. They think on the outside, they have this image of everything they want. And I don't think there's anything wrong with making money. People can make as much as they want. Yeah, I'm not money, against so making that. money. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like the as, reason
0: you're in the relationship. As what something I say in my speaking a lot is there's nothing wrong with wanting significance and connection in this conversation. It's what you're willing to do to get it. Mm -hmm. and what meaning you apply to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's just, what, what do you think it's compensating for? Is it going to compensate for your self-esteem? No, it's not. No amount of success is going to make you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to do that self-work. Your partners, whoever. Right. Exactly. And I think it's interesting how you said that, you know, it's about something going inside of you because sometimes I just want to be like, you guys. Two people, you can make heaven on earth with each other by making each other the focus. Because my husband wakes up in the morning thinking about how he can take care of me. And I wake up in the morning thinking how I can make his life better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, notice there's a, a nurturing and a protection. Because mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with him. I'm like, what do you think your job is for me? He's like, how I can, you know, take care of you. I and think- I wake up thinking, mm-hmm. how can I make his life better?
1: Yeah. They say like, if you're a giver, you should be with another giver, you know, (laughs) because then it can be balanced. You both are looking out for each other. You're looking out for yourself. And the thing is,
0: I don't think my husband's a giver. I think he's a protector. Okay. He's very much in his masculine.
1: Yeah. And you know, though, I think it's hard from what I've seen in my own experience a lot and a lot of people that I know and see, it's just, there's a lot of either each looking out for themselves and not really the other one. Cause they're kind of in self-protection mode or just didn't get their needs met younger. And so they're still just kind of in this like, look out for myself type of a thing, or there is like one who overgives and the other one just doesn't. And it's a really good. Right. Thing he's
0: not, I'm not saying he's a taker. I'm not saying he's a selfish person or anything like that, but he's not the way he's thinking about our dynamic is how he can provide
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what his duties are, you know, he sees a task, do the task Yeah. where I'm looking at it of how can I make things run smoother and better and bring joy, which is a very nurturing because I'm, how do I connect with my kids today? What do I need to do to really connect with them with what's going on in their life?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. It's different than, you know, his brain is more linear where he's checking off a box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really funny too, because, um, like you, like we were talking earlier, like there's, we both have like the masculine and feminine and in energies inside of us and we can be balanced, but we are predominantly one or, or the other a little bit more. And it's funny, um, as I've gotten deeper into my current relationship, like it's funny, even sometimes we go about resolving conflict and stuff like that, because he's definitely more linear minded and I'm definitely like more, um more fluid and just, just big emotions and things like that. So. Which, you know, is,
0: is feminine and there's nothing <laughs> wrong or weak with having feelings. And I think we've gotten so into labeling things, but. You yeah. Know.
1: That's another thing too. I just think there's so much about like womanhood that's mis- miscon- um, big misconception. You know, I think a lot of us were taught, like we can't have these big expansive intense feelings and stuff like that. And we shut them down because they're bad or we can't, um, it, we're only know, supposed to have
0: positive happens. feelings, yeah. you know, they, they say, but, yeah. um, you know, but men have feelings. They just express them differently. I know my husband, you know, processes his feelings by going on a 40 mile bike ride.
1: Exactly. Yeah. They and, like nature, <laughs> go on a hike. <laughs> right. And,
0: um, I, I'm good for a five mile bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people that um if you're if you're dating for what you become these like surface things, you know that's completely the wrong thing. You gotta be looking at character. Mm-hmm. And when you're dating, if you're figuring out what their character is, I would have married my husband if I was unattracted to him physically. I happen to not be. But I also know that if you respect someone enough, you will be physically attracted to them. You know, but it was his character was. Juicy and sexy to me.
1: Yeah. I you knew I could
0: be safe with that.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people have the, you know, they say like have your checklists when you go into dating. And I think a lot of people's checklists maybe don't focus on the right things. Yeah.
0: I had a checklist, but it was about character and spirituality. And I got every single thing on my list.
1: Me too. And this I actually was, have oh, a list for years. And then I did, and I created a, a nice nice, big, juicy list. Cause I had had it. I was like, I have been in the dating pool long enough, a, a lot of really bad, interesting experiences. Oh. And I was like, finally, like, I'm going to get what I want. And this is exactly what I want. And I got it all too. <laughs> well, I came
0: from a long line of women that, uh, were not in happy marriages from what I would see. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when the women would get together, it was a big, all the things that were wrong with the men. Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot and, of them do that with the women too. I work in construction. Yeah. And so, you know, you always hear about the guys just complaining about their wives and their old but, I mean, it's
0: a character trait, it's a character flaw. Yeah. But I looked at well, that. Why are, are thought, you with
1: them? Like, why are you choosing to be with someone you really don't like?
0: You know why? You know why they're with them, in my opinion, is because as long as you can poop on someone else, you do not have to focus on your own growth.
1: Yes. And, and that's-
0: they're holding me back, they're stopping me from, okay. you know, But I was like, I need to be very intellectual about who I allow in because I'm going to end up marrying among those people that I allow in Mm -hmm. because I am susceptible from my family training Mm -hmm. to not marry well, to not marry someone. And I did not see any reason why I'd want to have a marriage that was just me complaining about them.
1: Yeah. And you know what, actually, so a big reason I'm really passionate about like the love and relationship topic these days, which I think is funny, uh, not funny, but ironic, I guess for my, my journey, but, and, but it's actually not at the same time at all. Um, is I just, I had had so many bad relationships and experiences in love and dating and relationships and with men and a lot of serious, significant trauma and, Mm -hmm. Same thing of most people around me weren't having good relationships. So I just decided parents have a good relationship. They're divorced Um, and they're both remarried, but I don't know if they'll listen to this or not. So sorry, but I, I would, you don't have to share anything you don't want to share. Yeah. I just, I think, I think most people that I know aren't, aren't thriving in their relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I just thought, you know, like, I just felt like I work on myself a lot. I'm a really good catch. Not perfect. I always have had places to work on myself and I still do. Perfection is a lie. Yes. But I was like, you know, I work on myself hard and I really try and I give it my all when I'm in some things. So like, I just want the same thing and I want a really great relationship. And if I don't find the person who's going to meet me where I need to be met, I'm not going to have one. And so I was thinking for a really, really long time. And um. So may I ask, when did your um,
0: relationship? When when did your serious dating start? Like where this these traumas
1: started? I mean, were you uh, in your twenties? Um, so when I was actually sixteen, I met my ex husband, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um, he was older and um, was already a felon and a drug addict.
0: (laughs) And he was next (laughs) door. And did your parents know
1: that and let you date him?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so there's there's some not thriving. Okay, yeah. So yeah. that's yeah,
1: that's kind of my childhood.
0: I um, mean, <laughs> and let me be clear to those listening. Um, I don't. Know, I don't. Some of them might remember the episode with Jerry Petit, who's a prior drug addict, and he's probably the most adoring husband you could ever meet. But after he went through hell and did the work.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so here's what I've learned about relationships. But if they're still actively in their addiction, and you start dating them, that it's, is not going to end well. Yeah, no, it ends really bad. And, and that's what I learned too, even though I was 16. And so I feel like I was, I was a child, not feel like I was a child. And so a lot of that was not fair to me. However, I do think that How much older was he than you? He was 22. See, that's illegal. Yeah.
0: Did you guys have, is this too, is this too much? Can I ask that question? Yeah, no, I'll be. I'm open having <laughs> relations. Yep. Yeah. So, um, if I were your mother, I would have reported that.
1: Yeah, I'll just. I won't share this with my parents online. <laughs> I'll, I'll block them so they don't. You'll just block stuff. them, yeah. Um, because I do think it's important stuff to talk about, and I, I'm just pretty open with things because I think it's important. Um. Yeah, my mom kind of disowned me at that point in my life, and she wouldn't speak to me, and so she did nothing. So she let you date the guy. But then cut you off.
0: She cut me off before I met him. Okay, so that kind of left you floating in the wind.
1: Yeah, and so brain was finished for me. Yeah, major abandonment wound, and so oh, yeah, and, and an with, older guy. Yep, yeah, and I lived with my dad, but he's with my new stepmom and their kids, and I was kind of, I was kind of like the Cinderella in that, yeah. and so I was lonely, and so I found somebody who paid attention to me, and I got in a really, really bad. Really bad situation. Right.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm super sorry. So I'm just giving Crystal a hug right now because <laughs> okay. I, I was molested from two and a half to 14. And, um, you know, I can look back and go, oh, well, I was a child. And I hope you give yourself that same grace, even though your 16 year old self, in theory, chose that and it was love and all that. You were, you were a child. And I'm very concerned about our society trying to soften the age of consent. Yeah, because it's yeah. What, it's, what are they going to do? Like the sixteen-year-old Crystal could choose that without there being pushback. The fourteen-year-old
1: yeah, girl when he asked. So yeah. I was you removed from eighteen almost, but still, like I didn't obviously know what I was doing. I look back. I've done extensive therapy, yeah, extensive work on myself more than therapy too. But at the end of the day, I was not old enough. You, you were not yeah. develop fully until you're twenty-five, right? Twenty-five
0: yeah 25 people your brain does not finish forming and it is literally in men the um the ability to reason what will happen if i do this dangerous task is very small yeah and you know there's a,
1: i have a daughter who's 15 now and i actually that is her father um i got accidentally pregnant when i was 19 or unexpectedly pregnant when i was 19 with him and well at 15 you're not thinking oh
0: I should not get pregnant. Cause I'm not ready to be a mom. Oh, it won't happen to me. Cause you're the exception to, ev- like I just said, in men, it's very small. If girls still have that issue, or I should say boys. Um, but when we are young, we think we're the
1: exception to every rule. Yeah, we think our parents don't know anything. And so that's why it's funny. Cause my daughter's now almost the age she's 15. And she's almost the age that I was back when that happened to me. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like she just, it, it's just it's interesting. I really feel like romantic relationships are one of the biggest mirrors for yourself and self-reflection. Yeah, I,
0: I think that it's was parenting. Everybody too. Everybody remember that line mirrors, mirrors.
1: And then the other one that I think is the biggest is parenting, having children, because you like get to relive your childhood and all your traumas and all your lessons that you did get that were right. And that you should have gotten that you didn't all over again, you know, and you get a lot of inner child healing, raising your kids <laughs> and you get it in stages. Mm-hmm. just because
0: I'm a little bit older than you. Um, there are things that have come out the last couple of years in my relationship with my parents that I literally, it was so painful that I'm like, why did I not understand that? And I think it was because I was not, didn't have enough life experience yet to be able to process mm-hmm. the full feelings of that. And sometimes and so it's like, ready, steps. Though. You know, it's like steps, and so you get to process this and you get to process that, and um, just like we do with our own kids, Mm -hmm. I do think there's a loving God up there that is letting us have it by drips and knows that mistakes, what society calls sins or whatever, are not as big a deal because there's a Redeemer, it's okay, that's actually life experience, it's actually a gift, right? And you know, there's going to be no problem. That a kid, you know, 17-year-old Crystal did these different things because God was like, Oh, you know what I'm gonna make out of this? I'm gonna make something so amazing. But society used to judge that just the girl, not the the older man. Mm-hmm. And the good news is we don't do that anymore. But now we're going from not judging the the single mom to now being like, Well, she should be able to consent. I mean, if she's in love.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's really tricky. Um, you know, I've had to navigate a lot as I I'm older now, I'm 35, so I'm an adult. And you know, when that stuff first happened to me, I was a child still. And that's really unfortunate. However, as I got older, and that wasn't really my fault. Yeah, I consented, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. You right?
0: were a kid. You were a kid, and he was he wasn't didn't have a fully famous finished brain, but he's old enough to understand that he can't have sex with somebody under 18. Yeah, he he knew. Yeah. If and I were
1: your mommy or auntie, if I'd known you, I would have turned it in. I had somebody who wanted to turn it in and, um, and yeah, I was a, I was a teenager. And so I said, um, no, don't do that. And so I told my dad to, to not, um, I wouldn't have asked Let them prosecute. And my dad said, okay. And so yeah. now I'm a mom and I've literally kidnapped a child. For their father
0: molesting them, so I wouldn't have asked permission.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I'm kind of—I've got my boyfriend where we've been together for four years now, but I—he—he he can't really be like the dad role because my daughter's too old. So he can be a great positive male role model for her, really good influence on her, and he totally is. But I'm mom and dad. Now, now how old is um, he? He's 44. Okay, so he's nine he's years old, old enough,
0: but he hasn't been in her life. In, yeah. In she process. was,
1: she was 11, almost 12 when he came around. And so it's just, it's a little, they have a lot of their identity form by then. And they're just, yeah, not nice. you being like my new dad all of a sudden, so you know? do you have to, do you have sole custody or do you have to share with, okay, good. Well, I have sole custody, but, um, he's had visitation rights on and off, but no longer.
0: Okay. So mm-hmm. there's, there's more trauma. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Significant. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, this is the interesting thing is like, I've had to learn so much from this dynamic in this situation because it's taught me like, yeah, I was young when it happened and I couldn't, I can't really, I, I couldn't control it to a degree, a, a major degree. I, I had a really unhealthy, abusive dynamic going on. At yeah, that time yeah. for me. But as I got older, you know, you, you just keep playing out bad relationships over and over again. And, you know, I ended up getting, How deep- you learned
0: the lesson. Yeah. yeah.
1: I got date raped twice. Um, in my early thirties or I'm late twenties, 30 ish. And after a while, you know, you just start being like, Oh, I'm a victim to this. I'm a victim to that. Cause you are, you're a legitimate victim, you know? But then it's like my, my growth over the last several years has had to have been like, Okay, my start to in this prosecute this how- the date rapes? No, they don't prosecute date
0: rapes. Okay, so this is something that I am a big believer in. And so everyone with a daughter in their life, I want you to take this as your nudge. Um and I do this periodically with my daughter. Um once, you know, she was, you know, at a certain age, so your daughter would be old enough yeah, that I I, I want lots of things. <laughs> yeah, I would I I literally told my daughter, "I want to remind you that if you were ever on a date and he takes it too far and you have said, no, what would you do? So we start role-playing yeah. Yeah. So in the situation, right? You know, push, scream, get your phone to record, um, you know, make a big ruckus, you know, like role-play in your mind that you would act out. And the number one thing you got to do is you got to go immediately to the hospital.
1: So once you go to the hospital though, and you do date rape uh, mm-hmm. test kits, um, and those are really invasive and really uncomfortable, yep. not fun, but they don't even test them in Utah. Mine are still on the shelves. They don't even test them. So there's no prosecuting because they don't test Yeah, their just... house is full and it's not just in Utah. It's in the whole country. There's warehouses full of, yeah. Um, and I've heard that. And the that other reason that it, it makes me
0: feel poopy, But it's also for in the the mind of the girl or the boy that this happens to that they are pushing back with what how they can. Yeah, it's and if you don't tell someone I love you no matter what I'm here for you no matter what Um, I will not be mad at you, I will not judge you. I will not be like, how could you've gotten yourself in that situation? If you don't prepare someone's mind for that, they will just freeze and say, well, I guess I wanted it.
1: Yeah. Or it's like a trauma response, like love, shame, you know, comes up. And I think honestly, like as a parent, um, that's been my biggest thing with my daughter ever since she was little, I taught her how to handle certain situations if they happen, but also like, you can come to me for anything. And sometimes they come to you with really uncomfortable things, you know, and you're like, this is Yep. Or hard to talk about or I you know it makes me uncomfortable. They so need to get comfortable to be, having those conversations. Yeah, you, you, need you have to, get to, get to you be because what am I gonna do? Let her go through all the trauma that I went through and just repeat this all over again. like it has to stop somewhere. and you know, I just think like a lot of and, like the stuff that happened to me, again, I won't share this with my parents. I think everybody does the best they can and given what they're working with and their own traumas, etc. But now I have a 15 year old and doing all this healing work I've had to do with myself and with her over the years. Like, I think it would have been a game changer for me if I had the open relationship with my parents that I wish I had had that I have with my daughter now, because I couldn't come to them with things because it was embarrassing. Um, It was shameful. What are the neighbors going to think? What is the family going to think? What is our church gonna think? I grew up religious and I'm not now because it doesn't resonate with me. Now, I'm a very spiritual person, but religion's just not for me. But well,
0: and the thing is, religion, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because you know, I was molested and used religion to be my salvation, you know, my my mental thing. Mm-hmm. And I was given the doctrine, not the culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference in religious communities between doctrine and culture often. Mm -hmm. And Utah is predominantly one religion, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. And being a member of that church in Utah is a different experience than being a member of that church in another place.
1: I've heard other people from different states say that.
0: Because there it's more like, frankly, you're dealing with some opposition to be a part of it. And so you're Mm -hmm. leaning into the doctrine more than the culture.
1: Yeah. I remember um, like I'd heard people that talked about like uh, their Mormon parents in, I don't know, not even maybe Idaho, but somewhere else, some close by state. And they were talking about like her mom had wedding, Oh, red wine stains on her wedding dress. And I was like, I thought I can't drink wine, you know, but apparently like, there's just, there's just a lot. It's just a different experience.
0: You know what I mean? It, it's it, you know, it's much more real about like, for example, there was a young lady in our, congregation that came home from her mission for what they call delayed repentance and you know she was she had sex with her boyfriend you know oh my heaven oh no worst thing that ever has happened and they were both of this equal age and they were both over 18 so but anyway everybody treated her like a rock star Mm. a rock star we love her because she had enough humility to get things right in her life. And that is how, when we stumble and fall and get back up, we should have our congregation applauding us.
1: Yeah. That's how it should be. There's, there's so much shame, like a lot of traumas around like shame, lack of connection and a lot, a lot of the lack of connections, like from shame, you know, everybody's just Mm -hmm. shaming everybody. And this doesn't make me look good. Well, shame is an
0: outward emotion that we allow to be put on us or that we are afraid will be put on us. But it is um you know a friend was just on a podcast and she was calling the low vibration, right? But I call it from satan he who is poopy because it is a controlling emotion to get us to be silent. And it is
1: say like guilt is like you know the difference between guilt and shame is like guilt's like I did something bad but I'm still a good person. But shame is even deeper. It's like I'm a bad person. That's a identify with like being bad, you know. So it's just like a it's a really deep core wound of like, I'm not a good person.
0: Well, and the truth, the truth to me is because I am religious, God died, you know, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for all of us. Why would he do that for someone that was not redeemable? To me, saying good or bad is pointless. Because all these experiences were meant to happen and we are meant to learn from them. And that the, the idea of putting us in boxes and division to me is Satan of good and bad. That is Satan.
1: But I think like a lot of times people don't totally consciously understand that that's what's happening, but it's kind of internally like going on. Like you don't realize, like, I think I'm a bad person, but if you dig deeper and like do the work, that's kind of what comes up, you know, like that's how you're to feel like, right. Even though, and it's funny, cause I grew up, um, in that same religion and that was just not my experience. You know, I was yeah. taught a lot of certain things. No. And different. I, I know that's true because I've yeah. met other people, um,
0: you know, that, you know, and I, and I've experienced some of that myself, but I knew it wasn't the doctrine. So I ignored them. And I don't know where that came from me, but probably because, you know, I was dealing with being molested from such a young age that I had to know the answer.
1: Yeah. You had to do some of your inner work. And at, at, yeah, even
0: before we knew what that was. It's you know.
1: interesting. Cause I, um, I don't resonate with being a religious person at all, but I'm definitely like, I'm really open-minded. And it's funny because I just had a conversation with my guy last week or just the other day, actually about some different people we know. And there's some people who on the outside really show up as, Ha- on paper, having the same beliefs as like me and my partner uh, uh, regarding religion and stuff, but we actually like don't resonate with them at all. What they actually believe and how they act and show up in life. And there's other people that we know who are actually very religious in the church, high high level positions, and also on paper we seem very very different. But actually, the way that we go about and live our lives and our core values and beliefs are actually very similar. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's
0: It's because you said you're spiritual. You're, you know, you said a little while ago, you said, you know, my parents are doing the best they can. And I think sometimes we give people a pass we wouldn't give ourselves. And what I've kind of looked at that, and I don't know if I can fully put it in. I think so often people give, are willing to give, oh, they did the best they could, but were they, were they trying or were they just trying to get from day to day without intentionally proactively doing the work?
1: I think it's both. I think it's, you know both. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it's like, I think that's too hard for most people to do the deep work. So they'd rather not because as you know, if you, anybody who's done it, like once you start, it can open up a big can of worms, you know? Right. And so if you're not prepared to address it all, it's better to just keep the lid on and pretend it's not happening. And know? again, that comes from shame
0: of mm-hmm. uh, if I, if I look at what my part is, that could be painful. Yeah. And it we're is. so busy running away from pain that we run to more pain.
1: Yeah. And then it never ends. So that's kind of what had happened with me. It was like, I had been through so much trauma that I, I didn't understand what I was doing in the moment, but I looking back, I understand now, you know, and I just kept running from the pain. I did lots of healing work um in a lot of ways but ultimately and like you said like you heal in layers like an onion you know mm-hmm. but ultimately yeah. like i was still running away from the pain and um i would keep ending up in these terrible situations where you know then i'm get this is happening to me and then oh this happened to me and oh this bad relationship and i just and kept like getting you said, more and it never... you were a victim which <laughs> yeah, is unempowering exactly. but then yeah, yeah ex- exactly though but at the end of the day it's like okay I, I'm trying to avoid the pain by doing these various things, going into these weird situations or hang out with people I probably shouldn't be or going on dates with people I probably shouldn't shouldn't and but just to be clear, you're know, not saying you
0: were at fault for the date rape. I want to make that very clear. Oh, yes. Listeners.
1: Yes. And I don't want to send that message at all.
0: I, I know you don't. That's why I was just being yeah, really clear yes. for the <laughs> listener that even if you go on a date with somebody, you know, you shouldn't go on a date. It is not your fault. It's not your fault. Nobody
1: ever has. Somebody could do something terrible to me. It doesn't mean that I should, uh, rob them or rape them or anything like that. I've had people right. do really terrible things to me. It doesn't give me a right to do crazy things back. So same vice versa. You can show up butt naked. You can be drinking however much you want. You can be dancing around topless on a table and nobody has the right to date rape you. I wasn't, that. but if you want, you know, each their own doesn't give anybody any People right. might judge you, but they do not have the right to rape you. Rape you. Exactly. To drug you, rape you. They can judge you. People have a right for judgment, but they don't get to, to do something to you that you didn't give them permission to do. hundred percent. But then at the end of the day though, like I felt like, you know, after a certain amount of time, so much stuff kept happening over and over again. And finally I had to really look at myself and be like, I actually went to a, uh, this spiritual shaman healer. And I was like, I've been to several, but this particular one, it was after the second day rape. And I had just been doing so good right before that with like, I really felt like my life was really going the way that I, I needed it to. I had really just opened up a lot of my wounds and I was ready to do the, the serious, serious healing work, no matter what it took. And then I still got date raped shortly thereafter again. And I was really feeling defeated. Like what is happening? You know, like I'm really, really giving it my all here. What is going on? And so darkness did not want you to leave it. Yeah. 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 But then I met with this lady and, you know, was talking to her about some things. And she's like, again, you know, it's a fine line between you don't want to, you are a victim of something happening to you, a, a perpetrator of a crime. But at the end of the day, we can't control that. We can't control their people and we can't control what they do. And it's very disempowering to, you know, so we need to validate that. You need to sit in that and own that and feel it. But once you're ready, you know, there is this really important step where we have to be self-accountable for the things we can control, not for other people. They still shouldn't, you know, do the things they do. But I make we- that exact point in my book that it's a hundred percent
0: the fault of the abuser, but it is your responsibility to create a place of healing in your life With chasing after them to get them to take responsibility for what they've done may or may not happen.
1: Yeah. And I tried that. I tried that for years going down this route of this person owes me or this person needs justice in this way or needs to pay, you know, and it's just exhausting. And finally I had to, and ideally, yes, that would happen, but but we're
0: not going to hold up our healing on the accountability of other people.
1: Yeah. Because it's exhausting. I mean, it's like, do we want to put the effort into trying to you know, fix everyone else or change or heal everyone else. Or how about we just start with ourselves, you know, take the focus off of, you mentioned it with something basic with the dishes, you know, earlier at the beginning. And there's just so many things that like, it just, and it doesn't mean don't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean don't have boundaries with people. In fact, I think often that's what it does mean when I realized like I had to, you know, this healer that I had gone to finally that one time. And she was like, right after the second date rape and she just said, "You know, just zoom back. And like, when did your intuition teach you, like tell you like you need to get out of this situation?" And I realized yes. I had been so because of all the trauma, I had gotten out of my body. I wasn't in my body anymore. I wasn't embodied. and because I was we feel feelings in the body. and right. so, and our intuition resides in the body. They right. stay in the room
2: space, absolutely. so.
1: If you're running away from pain and trauma, you're detached from your body. Therefore, you're attached, detached from the pain, but you're also detached from your intuition, which can help you not have more problems and trauma. So, which
0: is one of the main points again, not to be like, oh. But in my book, I talk about how you know in religious communities we do a really good job teaching kids to follow what what does the feelings of God feel like? You know, so positive feelings. You know, how to that prompting of go help your neighbor. Mm -hmm. but we do not do a good job when it comes to yourself of teaching what did the opposite feelings feel like and how to turn them. And that's it. You just summarize that in such a beautiful way of when we are, when we are clouded, when we are, you know, been hurt, we are unable to not only find the good emotions as easily, but we don't know that warning sign.
1: E-e-e-e, there's yeah, a problem Listen, We're detached. It's almost like you're not present in your body. You are just like kind of tethered. And again,
0: you were a child. You were a child when that intuition got messed up. Yeah. And so you can't be like, Oh, 16, 17, 20. You, you had to learn how to
1: turn that knob. Yeah. And unfortunately, it took a significant more trauma for me to be like, okay, enough is enough. Like, I have to, in order for me to get my intuition back, which my intuition is on point now. I mean, I just, like, I, I'm very, very proud of myself for how far I've come. In. And you should be
0: because it is, um, is, i I've done that work too. Yeah. I'm still working on definitely. certain things. I'm, <laughs> I think I'm too loving to everybody that I keep attracting narcissists and, different things, you know, and I've been learning a lot about that, but um, nobody, nobody can lay a hand on me. Yeah. You know, but it used to be that I thought that was acceptable. And obviously you did as well. Yeah. In my mind, they didn't. But how, how could you and I be the teachers of this if we'd never experienced that? And though ours was different, that ends up becoming a gift that you can teach and give your daughter.
1: Yeah. I know it's interesting because we've been dealing with some stuff the last few years with her dad. Um, he was in her life again, and now he's officially out for good. And it actually brought up all my original trauma with him again. Um, I thought I had healed it all. Cause you do, you do heal in layers, you downstairs. know, and that's okay. That's okay. But yeah. then it was really traumatic in a lot of ways, but really healing in others because, you know, I got to kind of become the parent for her that I wish that I had had during those situations. Amen. And, and I isn't that, I ever let these things happen to her ever again? Like, and the, isn't that. that so healing to the little girl? Yeah. Yeah. And she's so right. She's just so beautiful. And she's been through more trauma than she should have been, unfortunately. You know, I, in some ways, I did the best that I could when she was younger and trying to get yeah, out but, of that situation. But I, I really did do the best that I could, (laughs) but you were also
0: trying. And I think that that anyone who's trying, I'm going to give all the grace to, but one of the key words of how I differentiate if people are trying is if they are capable of saying things like, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. if they're able to take accountability, if they are never at fault, then you are dealing with an extreme taker, a narcissist, an abuser. Mm -hmm. And those are all not different definitions for different things. I'm saying that is the same thing because yeah. if you are, if you are manipulating someone for your own gain, you may call it love, but that is abusive.
1: Yeah. And usually, you know, it's unfortunate because pretty much anybody doing that stuff has their own pain and their own trauma, but you can't do anything about it. When You know, does, but but when, own journey. <laughs> you know I, I, um, I think it's a,
0: it's a scary thing we're doing in our society where we're like, Oh, because this and this and this happened to somebody, they're not really responsible for themselves.
1: Yeah. And I think they are responsible for themselves. And so that's, what's interesting is I would say that about the perpetrators that did stuff to me, mm-hmm. but then that's where, again, I had to take it as the mirror and reflection. And say, also, what about me though, too, because right. I had domestic violence. I had date rape. I had emotional and um, psychological, severe mental abuse. I got financially abused and taken, like all these things happened to me, but I can't use that as my excuse to keep going on living these right. days, you know, asking society
0: college. to make it right for you would never work. You yeah. had to do that work for yourself. Yeah. And so when I hear people say, well, they had a bad childhood," I'm like, so I did too. I mean, I feel bad for that, but that does not mean they get a pass on life. And really if you're trying to get someone to pass on life, you're what you're really saying is you're patronizing them and you're saying that they are not worth it. Yeah. Or well, they're not capable. And, yeah. And that is, that is the ultimate form of poopy because you're putting someone beneath you.
1: Yeah. And so it's interesting. Cause I used to think that back, like when I was 16 and I got in that really, really terrible relationship, I just was like, Oh, look at his childhood. Look at all these things that happened to him. And I felt so bad for him for the longest time until when I left him and even just leaving him, my life got so much worse. It was way worse than being with him, which is why a lot of women don't leave. Um, because it gets way worse before it gets better at situations like that. But I did. And, um, after everything that he put me through, I realized that, I don't I don't feel bad for him anymore because now Good. just terrible things that happened to me and I was like I'm still choosing to work on myself and I'm still choosing to heal myself for me for my kid and you're still not. So, you know, we right. can, I just and that pity, my my compassion went pretty much away. I don't really have that much compassion well, I just, And and I I'm, I'm celebrating that because
0: it sounds like such a weird thing for a spiritual and a religious person, you know, to say, but you know, you think about how that is used against us to be good further into the manipulation, to have this pity or this compassion for them. But really you need to finally say, I'm going to trust you enough to whatever your maker, your spiritual beliefs, whatever, that you got to work on you, but I am no longer a party to enabling you in this.
1: Well, yeah. And ultimately you are enabling, you're not helping them. And that's the right. funny Part of the whole thing is we think we're helping them, but we're not. We're just allowing more bad behavior without consequences to happen. We're taking on all the consequences of stuff we didn't even do. Uh, We're not there, you know, it's kind of like tough love, like a parent, you know, if you want to be a good parent, you have to give them structure, there has to be discipline. You know, they say "Be, be kind, but firm, you know, and so. With your kids, like it's not good for them to let them eat candy all day. You know, it's not good for them to not go to school. To, to oh, what make- actually say no to a child? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and the, a lot of these people are grown children. Mm-hmm. There's well, I was have a trauma, but they're in big grown adult bodies doing. I was at um, a a parenting thing
0: many years ago, and I was you know a good ten years ahead of the other moms, and I said something about my job as a parent isn't to entertain my kid, and they all went what, what? And I was like, our job as a parent is not to entertain our kids. And they are like having their minds blowing. And I'm like, what do you think your job is? And they were like, well, I got to keep them happy. And I was like, whoa. And so we ended up being there for three hours as I was like, your job is to teach them to become adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not take responsibility. Right. And so letting them, experience failure, letting them experience falling, letting them experience grief and anger and sadness, and kind of guiding them
1: to choose how to get out of that you and know, how, how, to to, how to deal with that. The, these right. terrible life situations, because life is really hard. You well, know? I mean,
0: my, my kids had a sibling that died, you know, very young. And so even if I wanted to protect them from that, and the truth is Prior to those events, I would have, if you would have asked me that, I probably would have said the same thing that I was there to, you know, keep them happy or whatever, but the lessons and the gift of trials. And I'm sorry, whenever I talk to somebody and, you know, for the little girl, that was me, that our parents weren't able to do that, Mm -hmm. but we we're figuring it out. And our kids. My kids, your kid, they're going to thrive and they're going to do that much better. And that lights a fire in me to, to big, Frank, Frank, Mm -hmm. frankly, unselfishly embrace the work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any, any closing thoughts? Cause I love this conversation. Um, Are you like coaching people on this
1: or just something you're passionate about? Um, so yeah, I actually am a coach. Um, I put it on the back burner for the last few years because I do own a remodeling business. Um, and I've been a single mom. So during COVID and my daughter, her young teenage years and dealing yeah. with some stuff with her dad and other things the last few years, I just took a step back and, um, was like, you know, what, who cares about helping other people? If you can't help your own kid, right. Or your own right. your circle. So I step back well, and, and we're life and is ebb and, ebb and flows, flows. So it's totally fine. Yeah, you know what I was like you know when she was little I didn't get to be like as much of a present mom I was as present as I could have been and I still did better than a lot of parents but she really really needed me and so I just really put the focus on my kid and now she's doing really well and thriving and I awesome feel like I finally have the capacity to um start taking on more coaching clients again so I'm getting ready to relaunch my coaching business again and um you know, you talk about like all the terrible things that happened to us and now we can help other people with it. And I just kind of feel like, and not in a way of like spiritually bypassing or anything like that, but just, I really feel like I've gone through so much terrible, crazy things in life and I've learned so much because of it. And so I, I feel like it would be a shame to let all this adversity (laughs) go away. No, but I mean, the best teachers, the people (laughs) who've done it.
0: I mean, if somebody grew up in a perfect child home home and, you know, got to marry their, their sweetheart right away and their marriage is awesome, bless them. But they may not be able to know with the same level of empathy that somebody who's walked through something different. So they, they can coach on different things
1: yeah yeah you know (laughs) and you know most relationships and and dynamics are just not not as straightforward as um we'd like them all to pretend to be and so you know um yeah I just I really feel like it's my calling and I really feel like I have the capacity now to to really like commit to this um to this path and I just I feel really strongly that I'm supposed to so I love it. I love it. I could talk to
0: you forever. And I was just messaging the person the next thing. I'm like, wait a minute. She's really fun. I got to, you know, finish this. But um, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing and letting me ask hard questions. And, um, you know, I don't, I put, don't put uh, trigger warnings on my posts. I mean, my things, because I think we need to hear these things. Same. I don't, I think it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, if you're not willing to talk to your kids. If you're not willing to talk to your kids somebody will
1: yeah and it, it better be you if you want amen. any influence on it
0: <laughs> amen you know and um you know because they're gonna have their traumas in life but if you can help them have the wisdom without the trauma on certain things that is that is a parenting way
1: yeah they're still gonna have life lessons they need to learn but i think yeah i think we can definitely minimize the the serious traumas absolutely So thank you so much, Crystal, for being
0: on this episode of Share Your Hotness.
1: Thank you for having me.